1: children live and die
2: welcome everybody i'm your very classical music loving wizard
1: and i'm the prog rock bruiser Demons and angels in flight I'm not really a big fan of
2: Bruiser's uh uh lyrics as much, but the drummer is killer for his group, man. Really good.
1: Playing the zither in the field. <laughs> <laughs> the night lord looks upon me. <laughs> <laughs> <ye. laughs> I'm try I'm trying to sing about the night lord. Could you just tone it down a little That's <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that sick jam. <laughs> God damn it! I'm getting a haircut. I got a double bass, man. <laughs> I got a
2: double bass pedal, bra. I got a y'all that y'all. I'm trying to establish lore <laughs> I'm a song. Well, I'm a wizard, bra. So I like make magic
1: and shit in my fucking tunes. When we last left our our intrepid heroes
2: well, in software, what was going on? We got through two games. We got through two games, but but we had to cover uh, like when we last left our intrepid long haired workaholic pizza eating um pool swimming heroes Mm -hmm. uh we they were on the top of the fucking world is where they were when we left not
1: only were they on top of the fucking world but they were on top of the world on their terms they didn't sell out they didn't you know kneel to the king they went their own way on their own expertise and literally just sideswiped the entire gaming industry the entire culture with tech and visuals that people had never seen before and an addictive gameplay loop where you were in the shoes of the main character running and blasting demons like a fucking archangel sent from god's army Speaking of
2: god's army I feel like this is the part this is the chapter the today's episode the part 2 of Doom is like the Jesus arc it's like the 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 Die for Your Sins, Resurrection Arc. It is like the greatest. We're going to go into the whole downfall and rise again of Id Software of of Carmack and Romero. Their stories are so fascinating. What happens when you become so hugely successful uh, selling a video game or anything for that matter. I mean, I feel like they demonstrate the most perfect. That's why Masters of Doom the book by um, the award-winning playwright Tony Kushner is That's so
1: David Kushner the author is <laughs> so,
2: so. Um. Uh. Uh. Great, because he had the perfect story. You. I mean, people. It, it is like the perfect uh, uh arc to a to a film. You know. It, it is j- just absolute like cathartic hubris of the hero's tale. That is what happens to Carmack and John Romero, and we're gonna get into that now. And even if you've heard this story before, you probably still want to hear us tell it because everyone loves to talk about Daikatana Katana. Every video game <laughs> enthusiast. If you haven't heard the word Daikatana Katana before, you're gonna hear it a lot this episode it is such a fascinating tale and then i'm so glad that we got to live through um uh what was it 2016 Mm -hmm. 2016 um oh my god did i just get a text from someone that just says dio in all caps (laughs) yes (laughs) kellen just watched the first season of jojo and he literally just texted dio in all caps that's amazing all right anyways sidebar um But, yeah, I'm so glad we got to live through, what, it's 2016 that Doom, the new Doom came out, Mm -hmm. Bethesda's Doom. We're also going to be spending a lot of time talking about that, as that is just such a profound and massive huge wonderful success May 16 2016 and I'm so happy that that our story ends there it is such a great great beginning middle and end to like a <laughs> hero's chapter the story of its software so but without further ado let's get into this thing man this is this is um uh uh where are we at right now we're essentially at um we're going to kind of breeze past quake right uh, essentially. well no there's
1: something it's something interesting there because that's where the break with uh, Romero happens
2: yes absolutely so, absolutely uh, we're not going to breeze but we're gonna spend a little time on it for sure. At
1: the core, the main story about quake is is uh, they wanted to push things even further than they had with Doom 2. and that meant going from raycasting 3D which was kind of this fake workaround to full polygonal graphics and getting that kind of output on a standard home computer. Yes, Though, you know, standard home computers were going through leaps and bounds in terms of uh, performance jumps, it was still supposed to be running on consumer-grade hardware. Uh, That required a brand new engine by Carmack. And the idea was that, um, at its core, uh, the game was going to be called Quake, named after the main uh, villain in uh, this legendary uh, uh, D&D game between the original id founders. Yes. And... John Romero loved the character of Quake. He was this like Thor-like super being with like a hammer, and he had all these visions about this like giant plot with like gods and warriors and all this like time travel and you know And a magical
2: weapon called a Dai Katana. (laughs)
1: Well. <laughs> no, Although there was uh, supposed to be a heavy, heavy uh, deal with uh, use of like a Thor hammer, where the main character would be using mostly instead of guns, melee combat and combos and counters, and he could throw the hammer and call it back, God of War style but and uh, they had a you know they had a, all of it you know they had the artists working on concept art they had Romero like trying to like think of lore they had all oh, these all, people and, working. and
2: also also Romero is very fixated on it being a third person action game yeah which is completely different from what, what they've gotten their success from with Doom he wants to switch the script again because he's of the mindset like okay Commander Keen and then we moved over to Doom and now we want to move into like a third person thing because he wants to keep innovating and changing the style whereas Carmack just wants to take the tech that he worked on before with Doom and just push it forward and move it, move it into new terrain.
1: Well, in the way I hear, I've watched a lot of interviews with John Romero. Um, He is like, I'll actually, I'll get into that at the end of the episode, like the John Romero's personal arc. Yes. But um, the way he says it is, uh, so all the team is working on like the ideas for what Quake can be while Carmack, you know, sits around and, uh, you know, spends days and weeks and hours and nights and you know just works on the engine the engine ends up taking a year yes. to put together now doom took a couple of months doom 2 was like something they shat out on the side while they were like just counting their money it's just more doom doom 2 is it yeah. could almost be just like a dlc
2: you know i mean it's just more of that stuff just kind of a little bit stronger than before the engine's getting a little bit better but yeah this is essentially trying to where doom was that first person story-based shooter this is trying to be that let's get everybody playing together as easily as humanly possible with the tech that we have now all in one space because deathmatch is the new hot shit
1: well that's the thing is it it And a year with no engine is a lifetime in the fast-paced world of PC game development. Mm. So Romero is in charge of a team that is basically sitting around not making a game at this point. And so finally, when Carmack kind of comes back from the wilderness, Quake engine in hand with its lighting system and physics and polygonal enemies and AI, they're like sweet let's just stick a gun in the middle of it it's Doom 3 let's fucking go Yeah. everyone was sick of Quake already Yeah. while Romero was like no guys my vision yeah he's
2: heavily inspired by games coming out at the time just to give you a little understanding Virtua Fighter was like one of the biggest ones and Mm. if you remember that I mean it super doesn't hold up uh, in terms of it's look and everything it's very polygonal and everything but it's definitely like human looking figures in a 3D space interacting with each other in a way that was incredibly um, novel and forward thinking for its time
1: we talked about how especially in the 90s in this era just the idea of 3d was intoxicating
2: yes um huge it was like how do we how do we it, just going to the arcade and seeing Virtual Fighter I remember that being like mind-blowing and amazing Virtual
1: Fighter Tekken yep. Virtua Cop yeah just All polygons you know it was it was literally a mode of portraying the world that we had never seen before. Think, like, I'm, I've, I've often thought about this, that being a kid and seeing computer graphics develop was amazing because it was a way of showing action and humanity and characters and nature that wasn't, like, painting. It wasn't model building. It wasn't, it, nothing else had ever looked like that. And that was so new and so exciting. And so Quake, you know, the, so they needed to get those polygons, but it had taken so long to get the engine to work that everyone but Romero was basically like just fucking more just doom. We'll just do doom again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, other things about Quake was uh, the palette was incredibly uh, limited. People talk about, like, the browns and grays. Ugh, I remember playing it. Do you have a personal experience with Quake? I, 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 honestly, the same Fat Camp that I played Doom and Resident <laughs> Evil in, uh, they had Quake on a few of the computers, and nobody touched it because <laughs> Doom was just more fun. Yeah, I, I remember being really, like, it put me in, like, a bad mood. Well, that was uh, Trent Reznor's soundtrack yes, on top of it. That, as that well. specifically was about, like... A feeling of unease. It was like more ambient sound uh, environments. But that uh,
2: grungy look, and I also remember at the time another like Doom clone, as they called it, um, the Star Wars uh, Dark Forces. Sh- Dark Forces also just bummed me out. There was like a planet. Th- it was kind of a oh, mar- or Jedi
1: Knight. Which one?
2: No, I think it was Dark Forces. Okay. It's a first-person shooter, and again, it just had those grungy, grimy uh, tile palettes. It would just, it just. I remember uh, there's one point where you're like just on this big, gross like burnt orange planet and it's just the sounds are disparate and kind of bummer and i just remember not being able i I remember playing them because like it was still like whoa this is a first person shooter there's like puzzles there's cool fighting and stuff so i'd still play through them but i always remember walking away just feeling like i just like sat under a dark cloud for an hour and
1: (laughs) now Uh, i'm sad it turns out a big part of the limitations of the quake engine was because of the lighting system they employed which Mm. was revolutionary at the time um, they could only use a very limited amount of colors because the other, uh, the other color slots, so to speak, that they could use was taken up by the different shades of the lighting system. So they only had like a couple of colors they could actually make the environment with while Doom, a 16 bit game was like, had way more, they could actually use more colors in Doom because they weren't concerned of storing all that lighting information. Yes. Um, but it did have Deathmatch, and Deathmatch yes. was a
2: huge deal. Huge, huge, huge deal. Like, uh, people were completely obsessed with it. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I don't even know. It was
1: bigger. Like, we say Doom was the big one, but, like, yeah. Quake was when, like, the real tournament started showing up. I think looking back,
2: Doom is more looked at more fondly than Quake, but Quake is really what. What sealed the deal in terms of the popularity of Deathmatch, like, in terms of, you know, leading to, you know, how huge Call of Duty got Mm -hmm. years later. I mean, this is because people got hooked on Quake Deathmatch, Quake Arena, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And and people actually started getting competitive with it. There starts becoming money involved in people being really good at video games at this point. This is kind of happening now. With This is where
1: the first rumbling of esports starts coming up. And the idea that, like, uh, I I was watching a bunch of uh, clips from like MSNBC from the late 90s and it's like, would you believe that the next athletes of tomorrow won't be passing a ball? They'll be typing on a keyboard. <laughs> That's Frag- amazing. Fragmaster Steve has <laughs> earned over $50 <laughs> traveling America selling uh, orb-based controllers.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of that. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about people bringing their, their own PCs and their giant monitors out to QuakeCon every year. Uh, where was Where is that held again? That's in um, just just by their Texas, offices, yeah. yeah, at Richardson or something, um, and it, it first started in just like a hotel, uh, a, a tiny like uh, uh, hotel, I think a Quality Inn or maybe a La Quinta, and and I mean these people literally show up with with their own PCs, uh, pull them out of their car, create this like massive LAN party in this in this little um, convention room. The very first uh, Carmack always now gives a keynote speech at um, at the at QuakeCon, which is the yearly. Uh, uh convention that they do and and his very first one was an impromptu kind of speech that he gave to just some some kids sitting around <laughs> on the front porch of the hotel and that ended up uh, leading to uh, what would become a regular thing that he did. I mean, this started real bare bones, but but very quickly, much like the story of Doom, very quickly caught fire. And all of a sudden, you know, that that convention was getting bigger and bigger every year. And those uh, competitions were getting bigger, bigger and more heated every year. And they were actually starting to, you know, some of the very first, and we'll kind of get into this um, more in a little bit. But, you know, they're starting what they call clans, mm-hmm. where it's groups of kids like all living together or living close by that were working together as teams playing deathmatch and everything and trying to be like the best clan. I mean, these these sorts of things did not exist until Quake. I mean, this wasn't really something that was ever done. And all of it was kind of happening in a very novel way for the first time um, with with, uh, with the evolution of Quake's multiplayer.
1: But frustrated with his experience with Quake, Romero kind of cashes out. Yes. Um, you know, he was sick of having to compromise and uh, you know, it was a lo- because the team was so close knit. It was a lot of like every little argument became like a battle of wills because everyone felt like they had their own voice. You know, the the it's it was a flat hierarchy that resulted in a lot of arguments. So uh, Romero fucks off. He brings uh, Tom Hall, who was the Commander Keen artist guy, with him. Uh, And they start their own company in Dallas called Ion Storm. Ion Storm. Quickly afterwards. November
2: 1996.
1: (laughs) Uh, Quickly afterwards, IDOS Interactive. Uh, gets a 51% stake in the company in exchange for a huge advance to the developer. <laughs> Which
2: is like, looking back on it, is the most insane bullshit I've ever heard. That has got to be the fir- worst, like, first step you could do. Like, uh, oh, we'll invest your company, uh, and all you want is us to just go ahead and pay everybody a bagillion dollars so that they immediately just start, like, misspending and completely, you know, uh, just, just in the very beginning... You can't, you don't ever want to just throw oodles and oodles of dollars at a group of
1: people. No, this is, that's the most mm-mm. unmotivating thing I've ever heard. No, man, F- fucking. Time is a flat circle, and it <laughs> always this always fucking happens whenever someone or an entity <laughs> finds success. Outside of the mainstream establishment, the first thing the mainstream establishment does is freak out that they dropped the ball and like completely got blindsided, and just go like, "Uh, here, have a bunch of money. We're you're a part of us. You're we're you. We we did it. We get it. We're cool." And and whether it's like Vine stars or musicians yep, yep. or filmmakers. Every single time, and idos fell victim to that idea that, like, oh fuck, John Romero just ate our lunch with his fucking blood dick game. I don't even know. I don't, <laughs> we didn't. We don't know. And it's like they're not. It's just so unaware
2: of how instrumental Carmack is in the team. Like, every, it's Romero every, and Carmack. If you if it's you not, remove it's, one,
1: it's. I mean, it, there is that. We. I. I'm tempted to make it a Lennon McCartney thing as well, but like, there are other personalities. I can't like. You know, they're not like that, you know, Adrian Carmack doing the art. Yes, uh,
2: also, by the way, yeah, I don't want to detract and just say it's just the two. You uh, know. Kevin
1: Cloud, like, you know, there's, the, uh, uh, what's his name? Tim, uh, he's still there. Tim Willits, like, you know, these are guys yeah. that
2: also helped make it real. Hugely instrumental. And, and again, and that is, again, just another... Uh, element of why it was just such a misstep to uh, just throw an obscene amount of money at John Romero as if he was the only person who made doom you know and as if he was going to be able to just turn around and and replicate that level of success minus his entire team that he created that game with you know and that that's what's so wild so they go crazy they rent out this giant giant um penthouse uh suite on the top floor of the chase tower in downtown dallas it was two million dollars they spent on this twenty-two thousand square foot of space uh it is and it is a misstep in multiple ways like a- already that's a misstep just spending that much money on your office space uh, you know uh, and again I mean I'll mean, i I'll just say it now and you can just say it in your heads every time we talk uh, as we talk about this just cart before the horse <laughs> in every single way and then also it's just so ret- one of my favorite things about this story the penthouse of the top floor is the w- this is the worst place for people to be working on a game there are these massive windows <laughs> and these giant windows have the sun just beaming in you're supposed to be working on a game and the- you can't even see it because of the computer screens. so dudes are literally creating fucking forts out of black shadow boxes around them so they can work on it. by the end they had like taped up just sheets all over the windows it was just this crazy like Watching- chaotic space people are just like Sleeping all over the floors, and it's just madness. And everything's like, like they're once great. It's very, um, oh, what's the name? Uh, Citizen Kane of the, um, of the, um, the big mansion he gets. Oh, it's called something ridiculous. It, it feels like that. It's like, it's like this once beautiful giant master, you know, giant penthouse now just decrepit and destroyed, just covered in pizza boxes with all these <laughs> sheets taped to the wall. And, you know, it's just like, that's not how. Game devs make great product. They don't do it in a space like that. They do it in like
1: quiet, dark, yeah. organized spaces.
2: <laughs> so, anyways, I mean, that's already just car before car before the horse. So
1: Romero announces his his like grand uh, his first major work after departing it Daikatana, and he claims that he'll have it done within seven months. He bases that assumption on the fact that Quake took like a, a year with like this many people. And he has so many more people, so it'll definitely be, like, he just, oh, he just they already, did math.
2: And Jake, they already have the, the Quake engine. So yeah. So they don't even need to worry, right, because they have this Quake engine. They're like, we're ready to go. We already got the engine. We're just going to make this happen. Um, so, you know, just don't get distracted, guys, by the gaming room and the ping pong table and the four arcade machines and the changing area and the television room and the two telephone booths. There's also a, a shower room and a changing area. There's a crash room where you can go sleep. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's just completely you know I mean honestly though as I describe this I'm literally describing like the BuzzFeed offices yeah. now I mean this is more commonplace now but incredibly distracting for um, a bunch of people who really solely need to be focusing
1: on this game uh, They so, also uh, start. it takes about seven months right uh, no but <laughs> they're still hyping it up uh, you know, yes. they're offering exclusives in gaming magazines. Uh, they put out advertisements such as the infamous infamous uh, John Romero's about to make you his bitch. Just this in big red letters um,
2: and distributed in all these different games. So a PR person for the company no. came up with it. But Romero did sign well, off. Here's it.
1: the deal. Uh, the ad itself was created by Mike Wilson, who yes. uh, in the later years him and Romero have beefed online constantly. Really? They fucking hate each other. Really? And I think Romero like resents that uh Wilson talked him into this iconically feel, awful ad
2: i feel really bad for romero about this whole thing because it's so i mean it is probably the one of the, besides doom it's probably the thing he's most known for <laughs> is this fucking advertisement and he has since apologized profusely <laughs> for this advertisement he knows how much of a misstep it was john and it's just such a sign to of the nine of like the shitty attitude of the 90s it like reminds me how much i fucking hated middle school because it was just so important for you to be an asshole back then well um, it was to supposed be cool. to be
1: this how do you you do fellow kids kind of deal they were trying to like tap into the trash talking quake culture well, because that's Romero
2: though also Romero was very well known for his shit talking when he played uh, competitive games and so it's supposed to be more of a nod to that which I think is not super wrong to want to maybe tap into but it's just, it's just so, it's just so bad. I mean, it's just uh, yada, so. yada yada
1: yada. Uh, at a certain, uh, despite their their disagreements and spats, uh, Mike Wilson actually goes on to uh, create Gathering of Developers, uh, Gamecock Media Group, and now uh, he's actually one of the founders of uh, Devolver Digital. Oh, wow. Which is kind of amazing because, you know, they're this amazing... Indie uh, developer. Indie uh, publisher. Publisher. Yeah,
2: yeah, because they they just kind of umbrella a lot of great indie devs.
1: One of their hugest things is they have a very antagonistic marketing scheme. They'll, like, publish uh, really controversial games. Uh, They won't back down from, like, any controversy. And... uh, I hope it was last E3. They had their own like Devolver Digital uh, conference mm-hmm. where they just shat on the entire idea of E3 conferences.
2: Yes, yes, and um, it's working. Yeah, Devolver has a great reputation. I feel like with uh, the gaming community, I'm I'm always I love just their logo rules. The way they present themselves is great. So you know, so that
1: shitty rebel energy. Actually, like given enough time, finally, like forged into something like palatable. It's an
2: approach. It's an approach. Yeah. You have to do it right. I think it's just the difference between you want to tell the man to go fuck himself, you not- know. One the gamer to go fuck that you know what i mean that is the difference sometimes right? i do
1: want to tell the game to go fuck themselves they just <laughs> launched the battlefield trailer and everyone's being real dicks about it
2: jake i desperately want to tell the gamer to go fuck themselves okay all i think about is that all right <laughs> whenever i'm doing anything if i'm vacuuming doing the dishes i just think how could i tell the entire gaming community <laughs> to to rip their own penis off and just like throw it at somebody but i can't do that
1: jake we have to keep it cool Uh, So while Romero is wasting a lot of money and taking too long to release Daikatana back at id, Carmack and his team uh, released Quake 2 with an an even more impressive 3D engine with even better lighting systems. And Romero knows, well, fuck, if my game looks like dog shit uh, compared to id's or compared to just and you know, the Unreal Engine has come out like. Uh, he knows that graphics matter, especially at this era where 3D graphics are leapfrogging from, you know, now we talk about how it's kind of weird how like a PS4 game and like a well-made PS3 game are still kind of like look about the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But during this, you know, between Moore's Law was fucking cranking at full speed. So every six months, there was another huge advancement in visuals.
2: I remember graphics were the number one, uh, on the checklist of like, what do I want to get this game? Mm-hmm. Like the the graphical quality was so much more important at the, at that time with video games. Now it's not even something I think about. Like I'm playing the you know uh, God of War one second, I'm playing Celeste the next, mm-hmm. you know, and and I don't have that like but Celeste looks like a game from the Super Nintendo era or whatever, and there's just, but it's a fucking awesome game. Like, I'm not thinking like, but I remember back in the day, like having conversations with people like, dude, the graphics on this look crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like I remember <laughs> that was why, a big reason why Final Fantasy was so impactful for me back then with 7, 8, and 9 mm-hmm. was because they were making like huge leaps forward graphically, and that was the game I could go to for kind of the newest improvement in terms of graphics. So it was, it was like, you could not put a game out that was that looked old it, it made such a big difference kind of like um you know it's kind of like back in the day like when you were in high school the difference between a ninth grader and a tenth grader very big right mm-hmm. but nowadays it's like if i'm i'm you know talking to a 30 year old or or a, or a you know whatever you don't notice that much of a difference even though we're like five years apart right
1: the internet is also kind of in a nascent stage we're at like web 1.0 right now and uh because of the clan culture surrounding Quake, people are heavily invested in these shooter games.
2: Clans just being groups of kids
1: getting together and playing video games. Yeah. But (laughs) uh, still, people are invested. Like, is Unreal better than Quake? Is Quake 2 better than Quake? Yeah. It's where the fuck is Daikatana? Like, you know, people were invested in rumors. They were, you know, this was their lives. And um, one of the major uh, 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 red flags uh, in Daikatana's troubled uh development cycle was the addition of stevie case to the ion storm team yes now stevie case was the cool hot gamer chick you can google her she has fake yabos and bleach blonde hair at the time So weird man so many pictorials so many like uh photo so many news stories so many like covers of game magazines where she's like holding a gun and like making kissy lips and is like get fragged boys um but her story is actually kind of interesting because basically she was in college and her boyfriend like just played a lot of doom and her like she got looped into playing because uh, you know, you needed a network and you need enough people to have a deathmatch game. It just so, she so just...
2: happened that she ends up joining and getting really good with, like, the best Doom clan in the country, yeah. nigh the world, you know? So, she, you know, it's all kind of by proximity. But, of course, she's holding her own. She's not just, like, there as some kind of, like, novelty. I mean, she's, like, good at the game, you know? I mean, she's, like, legit. She just happens to be attractive as well. She happens to be attractive. a woman.
1: <laughs> and any reporter that comes to a Quake convention... Because eventually she moves on to Quake. Uh, any any reporter that comes to a Quake convention is going to be like, nerds, 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 nerds. Oh, fuck. And actually interesting. Like, oh, something that stands out and is worthy of writing a story about. Right. So she gets a lot of coverage. Yes. Uh, there is a famous showdown where at a meeting, uh, one of her friends, like literally just out of the blue was like, hey, John Romero, there's this girl and she could kick your ass. She wants to play you. And they had this famous one-on-one death match where it was Romero versus Stevie and uh, Stevie won two games out of three. But the thing was, she was actually—I love this—the way she tells the
2: story because she was down. She he had won the first game, and then she was super down on the second game, and he was about to win for you know full out. I think she was like three deaths away from losing. Um, and he said, "I don't know what it was. I wish she had said what he, had, he said, but he said Suck something it
1: down. I'm about to make you my bitch. Yeah, he said, but he said something sexist
2: too. He said something along oh, that the I line, don't
1: want to alert you, but. <laughs> make you my bitch suck it down is sexist. It just <laughs> sounds
2: like, yeah, but that even sounds like just whatever, you know, I mean, compared to, I don't know. Like, I guess the ultimate right.
1: gamer insult is, I'm going to talk to you like a woman I don't respect. <laughs> I so dear true. God, what they actually say to women.
2: <laughs> uh, so so she just was like, fuck this, and came way back and ended up taking it because of that, because of her need to not uh, lose to, the, to, to this and, and be this kind of, this uh, flagship situation of like of of you know we're, we're, we're people too in the gaming community anyway so that's very awesome and then they ended up of course dating after that and yeah um, it's, there's
1: nothing wrong with uh, you know just like hey there you greasy weirdo who called me a bitch in the middle of a video game who's <laughs> nine years older than me let's start dating right and this added to Romero's prestige oh of course that he had the hot gamer girlfriend yeah he has the Ferraris he has the penthouse we didn't building. even
2: talk about the crazy Ferraris too yeah they're both riding Carmack and Romero riding around in crazy Ferraris all the time super expensive cars
1: so Romero is is leaning into this rock star thing Eidos is like giving them more and more money because they're like cool we have the rock star game guy and uh, the game just keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and And when it finally comes out in the year 2000 even then the quake 2 engine is old as fuck and all of the grand visions that John Romero had about his story and his characters turns out to be one of the most fucking garbage <laughs> piles of dog shit you have ever had the horror of listening Dude, to. Dude,
2: we were actually talking about it on my uh, one of my last Twitch streams. And, uh, like, ev- every time I look at footage of that game, I just – I can't believe how janky – and I mean – I guess at the same time, like if you compare it to other games of the time, it probably isn't quite so bad. But it is just—it just seems like way too much. It, it also just lacks like the flair that made Romero such an iconic persona. It's
1: nothing but flair. That's the problem. Is but, but just not really like ten it's just minutes so bo- of blocking polygon people being like. Kage Mishima, you won't get away with this because my father was the father of the father who had forged the blade of the time of the generation, but the blood packed back then, and then fucking this old samurai guy being like, foolish, you will never defeat the father of the blade of the thing. And I think Romero
2: worked best in a visual sense when it came to storytelling, and as soon as he was given the ability to, like, have like other people with the main character having conversations and you know, and oh, they're being actual, quote unquote,
1: acting. This is the most cringy thing, too, is that the like, uh, the you know, what Romero was really like overjoyed about was that you had two sidekicks, you had two characters <laughs> that you could engage with Ugh. and talk to. Um, the fact that without Carmack, they didn't have like the, the technical chops to actually make an AI system that works, yeah. Uh, the your sidekicks would notoriously get caught behind walls, just like stuck in doors. Uh, you know, if either of them died, your game was over. And with bad AI, that means you have to just babysit these two blocky robot people. A
2: giant horrible escort mission, and this lesson wasn't really quite learned until some years in the uh, forward. But a giant, like escort missions, are you know notorious now to be the just the worst
1: kind of. They would run out of ammo if you just picked up ammo like you would in a normal Ugh. video game so you'd have to stand around and make sure that your fucking idiot robots got ammo boxes uh, the two characters also super fucking cringy super I'm sorry like I you're gonna hear like vitriol in my voice but it's self hatred that I'm like reflecting back at myself <laughs> did you play this when it came out I I have only watched uh, yeah, let's play footage because I didn't want to sp- I di- uh, we'll, we'll get to it anyway <laughs> uh, it's Himiko and Superfly (laughs) so it's just like the classic like lock and load bitches like black (laughs) guy voice (laughs) hell yeah you're cool main hero I'm a cool black guy so it's even cooler when I say you're cool (laughs) doo, (laughs) and Himiko's like I will never forgive this dishonor (laughs) like it's such fucking like white guy trope fantasy bullshit of what he thinks cool side characters are yeah
2: and again it's like His attitude uh, and flair were so much better put into use in action... And, mm-hmm. and
1: really almost feel like more than
2: anything else
1: aesthetics he was good at bringing in aesthetics I think and it was, feeling I think it was also really good at like really motivating
2: people to get like really excited and push forward about a thing and be that kind of company cheerleader that worked really well with that other group of guys you know what I mean Yeah. about just being like this is fucking awesome let's keep going this is amazing Well, everybody's ideas are really cool let's do more guns let's do more violence let's take it as far as we can go another H- thing Adrian is that you know let's let, yeah
1: yeah uh every there it was split into four time periods each with its own unique arsenal of weapons uh and there were a ton of weapons that had like bouncing projectiles so you would unintentionally kill yourself all the time <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it was just painful to play woefully out of date when it came out a giant waste of money and if it wasn't for the fact that Iron Storm, Ion Storm also happened to release the first Deus Ex game which was from a different team but it was still under the Ion Storm umbrella like the entire thing would be a laughing stock Deus Ex one of the best PC games ever made yes back at id uh-huh uh, Carmack is like so, like, done with, like, your human concerns of narrative that yeah. <laughs> he basic, by the time they get to Quake 3, it is just multiplayer.
2: Yes. Only multiplayer. At this point, they've they've uh, po- pawned off Doom to Midway Games, uh, San Diego Studio, and they get to work on a game called Doom 64. Um, Of course, Midway, known for Mortal Kombat, Rampage, Spy Hunter, NBA Jam, Cruisin' and Blitz. Pretty much all those games from the late 90s that were just fun. Just like fun sports, fun fighting games, you know, super over the top. So it seems like a pretty decent choice. It had supervision over it, but um, they, they were... They, they got a little too big for their britches mainly because I don't know how I was trying to dig to find out why they ended up exclusively making it for the N64 I mean I know Midway had a obviously a pretty close relationship with Nintendo for some of the games they made but I think it you know it's Doom 64 it came out on the N64 which feels like such a huge misstep not that Doom games hadn't come out for Nintendo consoles before but at the same time not only was it not necessarily matching with the attitude of what the N64 kind of was all about but it was also just the the cartridge space was very, very limiting. So it was just really hard for them to make the game they wanted to make. They were supposed to include way more demons and levels. They had to cut a ton of stuff because of memory constraints. And the biggest gaff, the most massive misstep, was that Nintendo uh, d- decided that, you know, they couldn't supply the necessary resources for multiplayer programming. This is, of course, according to Midway. So uh, they they ended up... They also, though, apparently the decision... Um, so, so they ended up not having fucking multiplayer... In Doom 64 which uh, was also the decision was based on an alleged uh, slowdown during split screen multiplayer in other games on the console but also a midway rep says this Everyone knows that the best part of playing multiplayer Is not knowing where your opponent is And with a four player split screen Everyone can easily see where their opponents are Do you know where this is leading? Dude, fucking Doom 64 comes out March 31st 1997 Goldeneye 007 comes out August 25th 1997 What a fucking (laughs) gaffe that is like the most important like the hugest fucking thing about GoldenEye 007 and White is like one of the most classic renowned is how good the multiplayer is on that game with split screen style Um, you know and if hey if you're really hardcore you'll put the cardboard up you'll you'll (laughs) split the screens you'll sit under a sheet so you can't see what the little uh, older brother's doing did you actually do that I never did no but I love seeing those pictures of brothers (laughs) doing that I didn't do that but I also didn't I didn't get into we've talked about this before I didn't really get in a multiplayer games like that. I was a lonely kid. Alright, that's why I think I was much more of a solo story based game player than a lot of other people. I, I, you know, every even fighting games, I only really played the solo version of those fighting games. Rarely did I have someone else to play uh, games against. So I didn't really get into that uh, until later. So anyways, just Doom 64 a uh, big, uh, just totally mishandled and just just a poor execution on there a lot of There are people
1: that do appreciate Doom 64 and I I wish I actually this was just a gap in my research. I didn't have time to really dedicate to it. But uh, they used a completely unique 3D engine to tell uh. the story. Uh, and even though Goldeneye was doing the same thing, that team did solve a lot of issues with uh, navigating a first person shooter uh, on a console. And like we wouldn't have stuff like Halo if it wasn't for some of the things that Doom 64 Very managed cool. to pull off.
2: Very cool. So anyways, Doom 64 off to the side. Do you have more on Quake before we get into uh, Doom Trace?
1: Now is the time we get into Doom Trace because the uh, team at id was kind of sick of multiplayer. They were uh, eager to tell a story again. They were eager to do something that kind of mattered. While Carmack was completely enamored with the advancements in GPUs and OpenGL and uh, you know the kind of the kind of next generation of uh, of hardware. Well, uh, you know, basically uh, they had gotten the specs for the Microsoft Xbox and they knew what the next generation of consoles would be capable of and they were super and Carmack really wanted to do something that people had never seen before. So
2: this is the year 2000. Um Carmack yeah, finally has an engine to work with now. At the same time, I will say Kevin Cloud and Adrian Carmack, two of our key players in the uh in the id software story. They're both actually opposed to the idea. They they feel like they're reusing old fo- formulas too often and it's holding them back, but Carmack believes that this new tech is going to be so amazing um, that it's really going to make Doom Three great. Also, at the same time, they pawned off uh, Wolfenstein to um, a dev company called Gray Matter Interactive, um, and they made a game called Return to Castle Wolfenstein for the PS2 and PC and Xbox. And uh, they actually, it, it was actually a pretty solid game. It was something that I missed, but I people talk about it with a great fondness even today and feel it was really like a strong. Oh, album. I played it. I loved it. It, it yeah. What what was the like it was just a solid ass Wolfenstein. It was a like solid Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein game.
1: Uh, Spooky, uki Nazi science. Um, you know, I guess if I played it now, it'd probably be a little bit janky. Uh-huh. I've well, even, especially f-
2: compared to the new Wolf. I mean, the new they- Wolfensteins are are amazing.
1: But uh, Enemy Territory was uh, the follow up, and uh, basically, I don't know if it was Grey Matter or an even or a third studio, but. Uh, their sequel to Return to Castle Wolfenstein was deemed like just unplayable by Activision. (laughs) But uh, the multiplayer was super solid so they just released the multiplayer standalone for free. And it had a really good um, team-based, objective-based gameplay. I actually played a ton of that when I was a teen hello there fellow wizards and fellow bruisers it's me jake here once again to talk about this week's sponsor keeps keeps was made for guys who want to stop their hair loss without having to resort to invasive procedures or just generic flim flam these are scientifically proven treatments in fact the only two fda approved hair loss products clinically proven to keep the hair you have This isn't BS, this is just science. And yes, it's completely safe. They're generic versions of medications that have been around for years, but now they've never been cheaper and easier to get. Uh, I've talked about my own experiences with hair loss and how the treatments offered by Keeps helped me take control of that, but it was always way too expensive and way too much of a hassle to get them and keep up with treatment. But Keeps revolutionized this entire process. All you need to go through is a five-minute sign-up process. You answer a few questions, you take a few photos, and then within days you can start your treatment for just about a dollar a day you can start receiving medications that stop your hair loss and in a few cases even let you regrow the hair you've lost just a little i know no miracles time is of the essence the more hair you lose the less hair you keep so if you want to stop this thing today the easiest way to do it is to go to keeps.com receive your first month of treatment free that's right a free month all you got to do is go to keeps.com wizard that's k-e-e-p-s dot com slash wizard a free month you know what are you even doing go to keeps.com slash wizard keeps hair today hair tomorrow
2: so this kind of convinces Carmack, hey, I think we could bring Doom back, and it'll be really solid. But at the same time, Kevin Cloud and Adrian Carmack are so resistant that Carmack and his employee and the other employees at ID have to actually give them an ultimatum: either allow them to remake Doom or fire them. So they agreed to go ahead with it, <laughs> uh, but uh, other people got fired in that process. Of that negotiation was real bloody, and this is all kind of also showing that it is in a really weird place. There's a lot of uh, uh, infighting going on. There's a lot of mistrust, a lot of you know secret meetings and things like that. It's just not a healthy working environment at this point. And again, going back to what I was saying about Romero being that kind of that person, that glue kind of keeping everybody together and motivated and, and excited. I feel like, again, that is why um Uh, a part of why this is all going down. And I guess my thesis on this is that I feel like Carmack and Romero complete each other. And and when they do, when this split happens, they both end up failing in different ways.
1: well... It's, we'll keep talking about Doom 3. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, Romero fails way harder than Carmack, but Doom 3 at the end of the day and into Doom, what Doom 4 was supposed to be, as we'll get into, is kind of Carmack's, like, lesser failing. You know what I mean?
1: Well, this is the gr- – I went back and checked, and as much as now today people will shit on Doom 3, uh-huh. I actually picked it up on Steam just to, like, huh. play around with it just to see what the – Fuss was because I missed it back when it came out. And like it was genuinely unpleasant to play with my like, especially <laughs> with the 2016 Doom in my head. Yeah. But I went back on Metacritic and at the end as as of this recording, uh Doom 3 scores higher than Doom 2016. Wow. At the time, everyone loved it. At the time people were really into it. I
2: think more I'm saying that his failing was more with the failure of Doom 4, because that game actually didn't even happen. Yeah. Um so, anyways, uh uh, they give they they decide to go forward with it and um, mostly what you got to know about this game is they step away from what Doom's all about in certain ways that definitely hurt the game in hindsight. They've got cutscenes, in-game dialogue, logs found throughout. Um, They've got uh, just a lot of story going on that really just kind of takes away from what what made Doom, Doom. People actually, uh, detractors refer to it as Call of Doom. No, Uh, that's Doom 4. uh, That's Doom 4. Doom 4 4 is Call of Doom. Well, well, either way, it's kind of going more in the way if they're looking at the space around them and they're not necessarily wrong for trying to do this with Doom, trying to kind of look at what's going on around them. Games are getting way more cinematic. I mean, if you think about it, we've got games like Metal Gear Solid and stuff like that, where, where it's all about trying to make it more and more I, mean, I remember when I first played these games I was like wow we're like playing a movie and and, and you know that was much more the direction people were going into they want you know um, arguably solid-ish voice acting and you know a, a story you could really follow and get behind but that's not what makes Doom Doom and that's why uh, Bethesda crushes it so much later on. In an on. interview
1: with Carmack, uh, by interview I mean in promotional videos made by it and Activision, <laughs> um, Carmack says that the tripod upon which Doom 3 stands is his unified lighting engine, his uh, new animation rigging system, mm-hmm. and his uh, his innovation of in-game GUIs
2: graphical user interface. He calls them GUIs. That's hilarious that he calls them GUIs. So let's let's uh, let's basically explore throughout these. the game,
1: there's uh, you you basically navigate the story and solve puzzles by walking up to computer terminals and picking up PDAs. That instead of like cutting to a separate menu. It stays in engine. You can manipulate things. Exactly. Which is, it feels nice. Like a it's lot of cool. games do that now.
2: It's like a small touch that you would maybe uh, mention in an episode like this about a game. But you wouldn't really be like, this is the core. Like, this is amazing. thing. They went, They did go bananas. There was over 500,000 lines of script code. And it uh, they generated more than 25,000 image files to create all of the different GUIs mm-hmm. in, in it. Um, also, the lighting and shadowing. Um, Most of the light sources in the game are computed in real time, which was very novel at the time. This allows light to cast shadows even on non static objects such as monsters and machinery. Very impressive for the time. Again, you
1: think to yourself, like, no, no, I think I remember an old game. Like, there were so many, like, tricks and hacks that people would do to, like, kind of make that work. But the uh, actual idea in a major real time action game uh, to have, like, light sources bounce off. Uh, walls and like reflect off of monsters and cast shadows over everything that was very new and made things like way more realistic because you know uh, they kind of leaned into it by making a lot of the game take place in darkness
2: Uh, yes And, and, and I will say like Again, this is the kind of thing, kind of, you know what it reminds me of uh, most recently is how God of War, it's all one shot, right? Mm-hmm. It's all one camera shot. Very technically impressive, very, very creative and interesting, but it's something that you might not even notice playing through the whole game unless someone told you, and also it's not what makes God of War, like, game of the year level great, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, all of these different things make it fantastic, the story, the
1: every you know what I mean? Oh, saying? you notice the lighting system because in the original game, which is the version I played, uh, you can't hold a flashlight and your gun at the same time (laughs) so half the fucking game is just like bumping into a dark corner being like oh I guess I bumped into a corner and then getting shot at by some other dark corner while you fucking switch between your flashlight and your gun being like where's this fucker (laughs) and then there's
2: uh, the complex uh, there's also oh wait are you still talking about lighting
1: oh the like the trick that they kept using was monster closets where like you'd walk into a room you'd be like okay there's nothing here and then like a sliding door would pop up and there would be a fucking pinky or an imp just burst out of it and you'd be like oh shit where'd he come from and then you'd like investigate and it was just like a rectangular space where the monster was just in theory standing still waiting for you so he could pop out of the door going
2: blah and is that also kind of the complex animations I feel like the animations and the lighting kind of go hand in hand in hand are they saying that it's just cutscenes, it's more like uh, action happening in-game um, as opposed to cutting to cutscenes, essentially, or like?
1: Uh, no, there, the Especially at the time, uh, the animations were really fluid. The models reacted very well to, like, you know, if you hit a guy, they would, like, react like you hit him. Uh, there were all these, like, uh, set pieces where a monster would do a cool thing and burst through um what was it I think it's Tim Willits uh was very proud again in a promotional video talking about uh this was Shrek quality animation running in real time <laughs> Shrek quality <laughs> somebody alright uh and, uh and it was a visual like it. and this we're still in the throes of graphics 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 Yes. Doom 3 genuinely did look like nothing else out there uh you know, uh, Silent Hill 2 had come out. Resident Evil was a strong franchise. The idea of survival horror was novel. And even though it doomed, wasn't known as the survival horror franchise, the combination of slick graphics and, uh, you know, a gameplay loop that people weren't sick of uh, meant a lot of sales. And it really, again, like I said, it reviewed extremely well. Sure. It just what, you
2: know, in hindsight, again, I've done, I keep saying in hindsight, it just wasn't what made doom doom. Well, one you of know, the first it could have been called anything else.
1: No, uh, they want, uh, I mean, they literally, they wanted to remake doom. Uh, another quote says that the story of doom three takes place. This is Tim Willits, uh, says the story of doom three takes place as if the first two never happened. Um,
2: yeah, then it feels like a game where they're trying to pretend like the first two never happened.
1: I just remember with the first mod that like got popular online was called the Duct Tape Mod, and it was under the... In the lore, <laughs> it was as the Doom Marine, uh, you found some fucking duct tape and it's attached your gun to your flashlight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so at QuakeCon on August 3rd, 2007, John Carmack lets fans know that Doom 4 is in development. Uh, the... Uh, uh, he, he wanted to it to be a return to the original doom in terms of gameplay um it took place in more of an urban environment city streets and all that stuff
1: and uh so there's the the, the core idea is you are a member of a human resistance who uh, has to fight back in a post-apocalyptic world where the demons have opened up the portal on earth itself and like it's just kind of this I don't. I don't know. Like Fallout kind of deal, where you know everyone is like patched together weapons and like every someone's wearing goggles and there's cool graffiti on the walls.
2: It just the it's just not quite coming together. There's just something about it that just doesn't feel
1: well. There's one team that's working on Doom Four, and another team is working, working on Rage. On
2: rage, which Rage again for for you know Rage wasn't exactly uh, uh, didn't like crush it, crush it, but it still had. It still definitely felt like it was made by a team who was uh, sort of unified and passionate about what they were making, whereas Doom 4, it's just like, what is this game? What are what are we trying to make here? On June 2, 24, 2009, it was announced that its software had been acquired by ZeniMax Media. Now, ZeniMax is the owner of Bethesda Softworks, who made Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Um, they're an American holding company established by the founders of Bethesda Softworks in 1999. So, uh, this is when we get to, uh, cut to a few years later, Four years later, actually, in June, in 2013, not June, 2013, Kotaku publishes an article called Five Years and Nothing to Show, How Doom 4 Got Off Track. And it notes that in 2011, they decided to completely reboot the game. Pete Hines, the VP of Bethesda, says... An earlier version of Doom 4 did not exhibit the quality and excitement that ID and Bethesda intend to deliver and that Doom fans worldwide expect. As a result, ID refocused its efforts on a new version of Doom 4 that promises to meet the very high expectations everyone has for this game and this franchise. When we're ready to talk about the Doom 4 ID is making, we will let folks know. So now there's still sort of in that spot. The Um, idea
1: was, is that rage was going to be its own hit, and then they'd have time to polish up and finish up doom four. But when rage came out, even though, uh, again, another Carmack innovation, more id tech, I think this is four or five at this point, uh, mega textures. Uh, honestly, there was like, people don't like give it enough credit because basically, uh, a lot of the accomplishments that rage did was make a lot of stuff that was really hard to pull off in a video game much easier so, for a jaded gamer audience, they don't realize that, like, they just cut off the rendering threshold of outdoor scenes by 40%. Like, they didn't, you know, they <laughs> yeah. didn't understand what made Rage special from a developer standpoint. Right. Um, yeah.
2: And again, I'm just, you know, not to push the point home too much, but I feel like Romero was able to communicate, like, was able to take Carmack's technical stuff and communicate that better to the gamer you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and like get it across with attitude Um, a source told the reporter of that article the Kotaku one that the Doom 4 team had a big meeting in which the company leaders talked about what Doom meant to them John Carmack got up in front of everyone and said something like Doom means two things demons and shotguns you know and and that's actually pretty true but at the same time this just goes to show the way the the kind of disparate Uh, Or rather disconnect that's going on within the company and the sort of like shitty attitudes that are starting to prevail, you know, when it's sort of everything's kind of under the behest or under the the main control of John Carmack as opposed to like more of a team situation. Well, it's more complicated You know, in alienating Adrian Carmack and – no relation – and – uh, who was the other one? Kevin Cloud already with what happened with Doom three. I mean, you just you just Ke- got a lot of people that are sort of just not on the same page like Kevin they used Cloud to be.
1: actually looks at the uh, the direction of Doom four as one of his biggest mistakes. Um, he kind of looks back on the Call of Doom style storytelling stuff like, you know, uh, your 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 squad being like a bunch of like wisecracking badasses vehicle shooting segments where like, you know, they just put you in behind a tripod while like cool shit happens. Um, and like, uh, you know, the story of humanity overcoming these great odds. And he says uh This is still a story I would love to tell. It just didn't belong in a Doom game.
2: Yeah, Tim Willits at QuakeCon 2013 says, Every game has a soul. Every game has a spirit. When you played Rage, you got the spirit. And Doom 4 did not have the spirit. It did not have the soul. It didn't have a personality. Also, it's kind of, I mean, it's admirable to a certain degree, but also, again, speaks to the grumbly rumblings that are coming out of where it is at at that point that that he would be saying something like that at a quakecon mm-hmm. you know what i mean this kind of shows that obviously that, that there's sort of just a lack of enthusiasm and mutual respect going on within the team for team members to be kind of throwing shit out at, at like the fucking uh, com- dev companies co- convention you know uh, and and so even and the reboot uh, just led to another mediocre storyline um, in quotes unfit for late night sci-fi channel um, and and the talent that they started to amass for Doom 4 starts to slowly kind of piece out after that reboots just looking garbagey. well
1: they, I mean this was a this was a company that was used to doing the impossible with incredibly small teams Uh, Doom 3 was made by like 19 fucking people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It took them a while because there were only 19 people. But, you know, it's the, the breakdown that happens once there's like middle managers and team leaders and, you know, they exponentially increase the staff. Uh, people can lose focus and then when they folded the rage team into the doom four team There was a whole nother thing where like, you know The hierarchies had to reshuffle and there was a lack of vision
2: and also Car- carmack's getting him getting super into other shit like rockets and the oculus rift but especially rockets no but uh, both of those things he you know all he really you know he's starting to really get disinterested in the kind of tech uh side of of do uh, or game engines and starting to kind of want to get more involved in other sorts of things starts to kind of back away in general from all of this
1: especially because um uh because of the contract they had with Zenimax uh carmack was forbidden from working on VR tech. Like, and
2: that's like all he wanted to work That's on. all he
1: wanted to do because it basically brought him back to square one in the old PC days yeah. where it was about doing the impossible on limited hardware.
2: Yes. And that's where he thrives the most as opposed to this nuanced stuff, which really doesn't um showcase his skills he quite as well. He was
1: embroiled in a lawsuit with Oculus yes. Rift because it turns out maybe he. Uh, did a bunch of work on Oculus stuff using Zenimax property and uh, I think I think the judge ruled it was like a half billion dollars that Oculus and Facebook had to pay ZeniMax at the Jesus. end.
2: So whoopsie! Now we get to uh, now we get to the point where it's being passed over to a new team. You've got Marty Stratton, who jo- actually joined id in 1997 as the director of business development for the company's European markets. In 2006, he became responsible for the overall uh, development of Quake Live, Rage, and Doom. Also, you've got Hugo Martin, who worked at Naughty Dog and helped design the. Y- for pacific
1: i really like this guy so uh, uh, before we get into yeah, yeah we got to acknowledge we have to
2: acknowledge the No Clip documentary noclip is phenomenal i i love their work they're so so fantastic check out noclip on youtube it's danny o'dwyer it's danny o'dwyer who's amazing and really funny he he uh i i, I first knew of him from doing giant bomb Podcasts. Um, he, he's like the host of the documentaries and puts this all together. They also have a very successful Patreon. Check them out. Check out Noclip. They gave us a, a wealth of knowledge for this episode. And the interview with Hugo Martin. Go check it out. He just seems like such a great, smart, interesting person. Uh, I mean, video he was game a New writer. York guy
1: he like tried doing stand-up in LA back in the day oh wow he's like a very funny very pop culture uh literate guy excitable and he, he basically uh, uh this is how the documentary sets it uh he gets you know he did concept art but then he gets hired as the creative director of the game and it's all of a sudden it's his voice and his vision of where new doom is going to be and his vision is just fucking make it like the old Doom games.
2: Yeah, he has such a great attitude about what the the games were. It seems like he's the first person to really kind of step in and be like, no, the games are about this, you know? The games are about just like blood and guts and fast We don't need movement. to know
1: the demon's motivation. No, he's
2: heavily inspired, you know, he's super inspired by fucking metal and rock and roll and... All that kind of stuff 80's movies Action movies Robocop he- He-Man And the Masters of the Universe And it's uh, You know all, all 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 that kind of stuff Just again Harkening back to Kind of what Romero Was all about What Adrian Carmack Was all about Just fucking Blood guts attitude Just fun You know And with like A sense of humor And Doom always Kind of had A bit of a sense of humor You've got like um, John Romero Putting himself Into the game No no That head.
1: was the, the devs put his head in Yeah the devs because put his they head hit, in Because they hated him Yeah <laughs> um, He then added the spooky backwards version of his voice (laughs) as the sound effect which if you played it backwards like i'm john romero you gotta kill me yeah. as his fuck you back to the gotcha, death thing okay. like i saw what you did gotcha yeah
2: but either way i mean it, it, that kind of stuff though even even as subtle as it was in this very dark hellish world really added to its character like there was a lot of fun isn't there there's also like a rabbit on a stick too right yeah. um you know there was just little touches like that that were like no these are a group of fun dudes who are making that very passionate about making this thing in some shitty house you you know, it's, it's, and, and he really brought it back to that. Um, so, so, uh, they, they get into it. They, they want it to be, you know, they want it to be comic and very juvenile. Um, they want it to be, according to Martin, the team put little emphasis on story as they believe that it was not an important feature of the franchise, which is very true. They give you story stuff. There is a codex. There's all this stuff. But inside that codex, too, there's batshit craziness. And they really wanted it to have that feeling. According to Stratton and Martin, movement is the game's most important pillar. I remember when this game first came out. Do you remember
1: out. the uh, term that they kept using? Yes,
2: it was um, push forward combat discouraging the player from taking cover behind obstacles or resting to regain health because the, by the way not only has Call of Duty come out but you also have the advent of the cover shooter for a while that was the big thing is getting behind cover and, and recovering being,
1: your regenerating yeah, health.
2: regenerating health and really like being good at kind of getting away from the action when you needed to and then popping back in but always making sure you had defense around you this was a game saying no we want you to be way out in the open we want you to never feel like you can never stop moving in order to do well like if you stop and get scared of the demons you will get fucked. Mm-hmm. you have to keep moving forward um they wanted to uh, keep the moving fast ki- the, oh god and this was one of the other big amazing like yes this, we're back to doom no reloading of weapons yeah. again another uh, just pillar of uh, FPS games still is pull down M1 way.
1: and just fucking just go fucking nuts go man let's not reload this gun
2: we fucking move man and and uh, I'm getting excited because I remember when this fucking game came out and it was so exciting it was just so perfectly a love letter to the games that we all enjoy to the To do the doom that we all knew and loved, it had everything the attitude, but not just the attitude, it wasn't just that it was like hell and fuck yeah, it was, and you know, metal music. It was it was these mechanics I'm describing is what really pushed it home. It was like and, and, and I think that Doom really needed to just distance itself from itself for a certain number of years in order to be important again and be something people needed. We needed to get all these innovations to happen in first person shooters in order to get in order to be able to enjoy what Doom is again, which is which is all of these things. Uh, the and of gl- course, also the push forward combat. Uh, just real quick uh, is also. Um, ex- uh, uh extended by the glory kills which was a way to get health and ammo back you're not gonna get health and ammo by looking around the level and you know finding it hidden in places no you're gonna get health and ammo back by getting right up in the fucking monster's face and murdering it in the coolest way humanly possible you know and again this just really keeps keeps you uh in the mode of in the doom mode which is uh just get right up in the fucking action and never stop
1: The, uh, Hugo Martin in, in the interviews talks about how, like, the core thing is you bought a Doom game, you know what a Doom game is, we know you bought a Doom game, (laughs) why pretend that it's anything different? And,
2: And Yeah. Uh... And, and that's well. That is a lot of, because I want to get it, the in, the int- The opening moments to this game are so well done. It sh- it I'm sure it is taught in classes. It is so brilliant. And one of the most brilliant parts is that opening uh, moment where the scientist comes on the computer screen and starts to give you all this fucking bullshit exposition. And the doom guys just like fuck
1: no, this not only shit. That, but the tablet literally <laughs> just says like literally the first thing you see is just a yes. tablet that says demonic invasion, invasion in, in progress. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) which is so awesome and it's just loading it's just like a loading bar and you're just like yes compared to Doom 3 (laughs) the opening minutes of Doom 3 you're like welcome to Mars and like a bunch of like shivering dudes are like I don't know man I got a bad feeling about this and then like you go through like 19 different checkpoints or someone's like man they're sure doing some weird science stuff
2: it is it, it yeah yeah and, and all this business and in the very beginning of this it's like no you're Doomguy Do, all we know about Doomguy is he fucking gets a hard rod by <laughs> killing demons that's all he gives a shit about is murdering demons he doesn't give a fuck about the story he doesn't give a fuck about what these scientists have to say he can't wait to kill these scientists if he saw the scientists punch right through him he doesn't give a fuck and that's what just made it literally made me go yeah like I stood out like it just it's so exciting and so smart and so well done and and just everything about the opening moments they so perfectly in action uh uh teach you the basic elements of the game introduce you to the character phenomenally and just get and just get you completely into the mode of what this game is going to be and especially with the whole i mean it's all hilarious like that you wake up and there's like an altar around you know the doom guy's suit um, uh, uh, and all this stuff it, it's this it's this uh, it's this very funny idea of corporatizing hell yeah, and no, demonic they, cults
1: they literally use it as an alternative energy source <laughs> yes
2: exactly so they've got board meetings you know you go if you walk up to different screens they literally have like board meetings based around uh, human sacrifices <laughs> and uh, you know uh, dem- demonic sigil making and stuff I mean it's all just so tongue in cheek and so great and so the attitude that, uh, that Doom Had because that's another part of the 90s Was a lot of like tongue in cheek Fuck you stuff Mm -hmm. which is sort of How we ended up with the misstep of John Romero will make you his bitch Like the impulse of that Actually, makes sense for the climate of you know what was going on in gaming and just in in pop culture in general. Like everybody was kind of like trying to say fuck you in the laziest way possible in a certain way because that was funny. And this actually capitalizes on it though in such a brilliant way. You know,
1: uh, also amazing is the soundtrack by Mick Gordon yes. uh, running stuff like chainsaws and synthesizers through guitar pedals, making a ton of audio callbacks to the games that came before it uh mick gordon's this australian musician incredibly talented
2: he's using seven and eight string guitars fucking ripping it out too he's a really seems like a really great dude for for
1: gaming music uh he did uh one of my favorite songs ever in a video game which is uh back i'm back to rise uh, oh yeah uh from the killer instinct soundtrack It's just a fucking jam that'll get you pumped up and and, and again else. and
2: you know I talk I talk so leveling, uh, lovingly about the intro to this game when when he fucking um smashes the fucking uh g- computer screen mm-hmm. and you hear That's that That's the second time he's like time fuck time he does you nar-
1: nar- uh, uh, what's the word uh 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 exposition. exposition
2: he smashes the computer screen cocks his shotgun and you hear this fucking metal rip, just rip through the goddamn screen and the title comes up dude it is it is again I'm like getting like tingle. it is so impressive and so smart and so well done
1: not to mention the game itself is amazing to play uh The way that the different enemy types have like a telegraph movement pattern, the way that the uh, arenas they kind of put you in allow you to like freely move about, you have so much verticality. Like and they they upped the challenge. They
2: made it very difficult. I actually want to go back and play it on PC on normal because I ended up ratcheting down the difficulty for my playthrough on console. Yeah, but, you just had to get through it because I just wanted to enjoy it and just feel like a badass murdering monsters. But now I want to go back for the challenge because they they really made sure to say, yeah, this is like again another like I right, fuck you. It's Doom. Like they made it hard, man.
1: But the weapons upgrade system allowed you to yes. kind of tweak each gun and so it adapted to your playstyle. So you always feel in control. You always feel like like the way I ended up getting the grenade launcher on my shotgun and I ended up getting like the area of effect clear on the plasma rifle and like as I'm running around and shooting like I know how everything works and it's feeling the way I want it to feel
2: and again just how good they were at making you like scratching the nostalgia itch they even include each game's level contains a hidden lever which opens an area extracted from a classic level in the original Doom or Doom 2 so you actually get to fucking play real old school Doom levels within the game which is super fun also I can't believe we haven't said this acronym yet Um, uh, but they bring back the classic guns like the BFG I don't think we mentioned the big fucking gun in uh, in our first Doom episode by the way which is kind of shocking we didn't mention the movie
1: starring The Rock either you know sometimes things fall through the cracks and
2: and they they, do
1: we have to do no that movie is real bad
2: I don't know man we We keep saying we
1: do people like giggle can we just
2: do another episode on The Rock uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson (laughs) and act like the first one didn't exist so we can just like do research on him again uh, uh, but, yeah, the way they introduce the BFG to you is really fucking great. They just give you a room to just blast open when they give it to you. Um, the super shotgun, the chainsaw is very smartly
1: used in well, the it's game. A, the chainsaw is a mechanic in and of itself because very, you know, the original well Doom used. games – it's iconic that you have the chainsaw, but you never actually take it out once you have like a good stock of ammunition.
2: But for this game, it actually gives you, again, It's it, you use it to saw through enemies and it'll give you a massive amount of ammunition to work with. So you actually need to use it throughout the game in order just to get uh, your fucking am- essentially just get all of your ammo back. And it's, it's such a great thing to switch to and use. And you're, you're using it all the time. It basically
1: gives the game its own weird version of inventory management and resource management while like hiding behind just flat out adrenaline action gameplay.
2: And you know uh, uh, going back to some of the inspirations um, it was actually very inspired by the last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis.
1: I did not. They kept bringing this up in the documentary and in interviews. I did So it's
2: essentially just like it's just very self aware and another movie that I think Shane
1: Black movie starring Bruce Willis and
2: another movie I think that perfectly uh, uh, resonates with like the tongue in cheek a big fun action but also seriousness mixed in was um, using RoboCop as an inspiration they very specifically use uses inspirations when RoboCop becomes RoboCop you just see uh, from RoboCop's point of view and all how others si- perceive him. how the scientists are, are seeing him and working on him and um, kind of building him up to be this amazing thing so by the time you see him in action you're already have all these like all this exposition built in that was kind of done very naturally and, and you get the same thing you've got from Doomguy's perspective and You've got that sort of thing happening. You find in the codexes
1: intro. talking about you as the doom slayer in the demon levels. You find your how the demons have perceived you as this great destroyer. Yes, uh, which is an amazing which piece is so of flavor. Good.
2: And 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 uh, again, also just in, in in general, like RoboCop really exemplifies the comedy in an action film done mm. in a sci-fi action film done very very right. It's such a perfect influence for what that game
1: is. So at QuakeCon 2014. They finally had the new direction down. You know, they were going to tweak the graphics. they were going to tweak the level design. They still had some like a lot of polish to put on it. But like new Doom was finally going to be shown for the first time. They made everyone turn off their cameras. They shut down the Twitch stream. And this embattled id team that had been like through thick and thin, like basically the survivors of this marsh just kind of like sat quietly and were like, well, this is this is it and they show the footage it's very similar to the E3 trailer that came out I think in 2015 Mm -hmm. Um, and there's like a moment of silence and the entire crowd leaps to their feet and just roars with with approval it's so awesome and it's like it's amazing that this company that had been through so much and morphed and like should have just so many other like it should have been like so many failures before it but like they managed to redeem themselves.
2: It's it's such a phenomenal showcase. You know, there are definitely missteps there. There's a multiplayer that's not really that great and that doesn't Don't nobody... Don't dare
1: besmirch Snap Maps.
2: And then there's Snap Maps, but I like what Snap Maps is trying to do because I feel like Snap Maps is making a nod to the mods mm-hmm. that came with Doom. And it's kind of saying like, oh, this is our version of that. We're going to let you build your own levels and do all that sort of thing. And I think that it's really wonderful that it's in there it didn't really get uh, utilized super a whole lot but you could like create your own levels upload them people could edit them it was very much a nod to the the uh, you know enthusiastic modding community from before um, uh, and uh, yeah uh, it, it came out and did great I mean I love it It even worked on the
1: switch how the fuck did that
2: happen yeah it came out yeah not too long ago it came out on the switch people really fucking love it um, I mean I feel like we could also we could do our own episode on the Wolfenstein remakes as well but those also came out and were fantastic uh and the, the you know the new Colossus was one of the best games
1: Can of uh, last something? year Can I something? I didn't realize that uh the Doom remake was made by the by what it's technically still the original id team Yeah yeah I just thought that studio had been bought and totally. consolidated Completely and shut. yeah, yeah.
2: And instead, it really was like a combination of people who worked on Rage and Doom 3, or, or the failed Doom 4, rather, um, you know, kind of pulled all together to make this. Um, and it shows. And it's a really wonderful game.
1: Doom. And they're going with Rage 2, which is so weird. So
2: weird. So bizarre. So, yeah, that that's its whole, a whole other thing. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Uh, I'm sure they've got to make another Doom. I'm sure they. I'm sure yeah. they will. Uh, Doom VFR was released uh, in on December 1st, 2017. It is a VR adaptation for the PlayStation VR and HTC Vive. I don't really have a lot on that. I but never they did do it. Doom VR. I feel like. It's, it's sort of immediately... I've heard it's not that bad, but I feel like it immediately takes away from what Doom's all about, which is movement, but when you're in a vibe or whatever, you're you're teleporting around. You, they, um, they do, like, they kind do of a stuff dashy with the, thing? Yeah, they do, like, the glory kills or whatever, but, I mean, it literally is, like, contradictory to what Doom's sort of all about. So, um, on August 7th, 2013, uh, John, John Carmack joined Oculus. We talked about that. Um, John Romero ends up uh, moving with his current wife to Ireland, Supporting the local game dev scene out there living oh, a much yeah. quieter Stevie life. Case,
1: uh, shortly after Daikatana kind of became a giant embarrassment, um, uh, moved to Silicon Valley and is raising her daughter and uh, basically talks about her time in the video game world as one of being constantly abused and <laughs> yeah. uh, just being kind of miserable. But she says that being surrounded by so many toxic men in gaming gave her a leg up in making it in Silicon Valley, <laughs> nice. which is very depressing. Fantastic. Uh
2: Yeah, and I think all John parties- John Romero
1: uh, married uh, his wife, Brenda, in like 2012, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Uh He's uh, raising- uh, Three different her... kids from three different marriages? Yeah, as well as Brenda's kids from yes. her marriage. Uh Most of them are involved in game making in some way or another. And uh, he's releasing games with uh, one of his kids uh, in Galway.
2: Yeah, there you go. So everybody
1: seems to be- he's mellowed out. Like yeah, watching an interview with him way. now, he seems like just a like lot. like just an old hippie guy that's just like yeah, it's all good.
2: And he, I think he really lo- uh, loves his legacy. Um, definitely, you know, they asked him like uh, on the NoClip documentary. There's a separate NoClip documentary just about him and his life now. And they asked him like, you know, do you hate? Always having to talk about this stuff that you did, and he he uh, he was like, absolutely not. He's like, I'm such a huge metal fan and rock and roll fan, and. Um, he's, he brought up uh, One guy from Whitesnake And yeah. he's like I watch all these Interviews with him And I see him Answering the same Questions over and over Again and you know It kind of inspires me To be like super cool With that sort of thing
1: um, Because those people Never asked that question Before in uh, Swahili Yeah And like now <laughs> it's His time to answer it For them
2: Yeah I think he Definitely appreciates The legacy he's brought Carmack I think we You know I think Injama Romero Is pretty much kind of Done I do love too That he's, he's just Really supportive of his of, of the game tiny game dev community uh, where he lives um, in Ireland I think that's like a really sweet cool kind of way to kind of put his story to bed Carmack I feel like he's got some more stuff he wants to do with the tech and everything um, I'm interested to see what comes out on his side uh, uh, now but yes very into VR and uh, rockets <laughs> so we'll see what happens there with the innovations and it you know Bethesda's crushing it and the, its software is is just crushing it today, you know, I mean, literally, you know, like I said, one of the best games of last year was New Colossus, the the last Wolfenstein game to come out. I mean, they're still just cracking out bangers based on these wonderful legacy games that we've been talking about all throughout this stream uh, or all through stream all throughout these past two
1: podcasts. Um, Have you been talking to the Internet a lot this week? <laughs> probably a lot <laughs> at all times. You mean you mean at all times? Holden, if you're not talking... In the form of an audio codec. Do you even speak? <laughs> Getting weird with the internet with Holden McNeely.
2: This Tuesday, he plays. he's bad at a game. Um, yeah, Last that's Last week, life I now.
1: stripped in exchange for $30. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm your monkey, internet. Come get me. Um, all right. Well, I think that about covers it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to check us out, uh, or rather write a review, please rate and write a review for us on iTunes. It- Means so much, so helpful for us. Even to, if
1: you don't use iTunes as your podcast uh, app, like it, if you have a phone or if you have a computer that has it, just like tap on over. It really does help with our visibility and helps get more listeners on board. And that's all we want is just a horde of sweaty men just uh, eager to hear our deliciously moist voices.
2: Yeah, especially if you could write a review in which you state that Jake and Holden made you uh their bitch. That would probably <laughs> be my favorite thing in the world. So if you could do that, I'm going to be looking I think for
1: that. I <laughs> <what you> do that.
2: <laughs> and, um... Uh, also, if you want to check us out on Patreon, further support the show. Uh, it's just five bucks a month uh, in order to get a, a bonus episode every single week. We have different discussions ranging from different topics, such as uh, what well, we just had a conversation about. Spoilers. We do monthly roundups. Where we talk about the games we're playing, the books we're reading, the shows we're watching, movies we're watching, uh, all, all different sorts of things. Uh, we get guests on. Mike Lawrence we've had. We did uh, Henry uh, Zabruski we had on. we d- Different folks like that. So check us out, Patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew. you can follow me on twitch to make my day twitch.tv forward slash holdenators hope uh,
1: you can find me on twitter at best jake young and uh, check out darkly.com for uh, all sorts of nerd based shenanigans
2: all right everybody have a good one